This is Beyond Belief Sobriety, a podcast for people who are seeking or who have found a secular path to recovery from addictions of all kinds. Hello, and thank you for taking some time to listen to this podcast. I hope it's a good experience for you and that it helps to build a little extra recovery capital. This episode is the edited version of a live stream that I recorded with my co-host Mary on April 9th, 2022. If you're not familiar with our live streams, it's something that Mary and I do every Saturday at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, and you can find them at the Beyond Belief Sobriety YouTube channel. Our guest for this episode was Roger C. Roger is best known for the website AA Agnostica, which he started on June 15, 2011, and which has given voice to the agnostic, atheist, and freethinking member of Alcoholics Anonymous ever since. In this conversation, Roger talks about the history of AA Agnostica, why it was started, how it was started, his experience working on the site, what he achieved during those years, and how it benefited his recovery. He'll also talk about what he thinks is the future of Alcoholics Anonymous and his plans as he retires the site in June of this year. But before we get started, I would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Soberlink. If you're seeking a tangible way to maintain accountability and prove sobriety to loved ones, you have to try Soberlink. If you haven't heard of Soberlink, they've created a remote alcohol monitoring system that revolutionizes the way people document sobriety. The system includes a breathalyzer and uses artificial intelligence to display your test results in a calendar format, helping you analyze your habits and prove to yourself and others that you are, in fact, not drinking. It even has real-time results, facial recognition, and tamper detection, so no one will question the validity of your results. Soberlink and I have created a guide called Five Tools and Strategies for Those on a Secular Path to Recovery that you can find at Soberlink.com BBS. So if you're ready to take the next step in your recovery journey, mention the Beyond Belief Sobriety podcast when ordering Soberlink and you'll receive $50 off their device. And now, episode 262, Roger C. and the story of A.A. Agnostica. I got sober in um, March of 2010, and I was going to pretty traditional AA meetings, uh, but they were getting on my nerves, you know, meetings that ended with the Lord's Prayer, etc. And I discovered a group called Beyond Belief uh, in Toronto, uh, which had Thursday night meetings, and I would go to every single one of them. It was a secular AA meeting. I would it would take me about two hours to get there and two hours to get back, but I just loved the secular A meeting. And what happened is that in on May 31st, 2011, the group was booted out of the intergroup, the Toronto intergroup. And it was booted out because it used the secular version of the 12 steps. And I was stunned with all of that and very disappointed. And that's when the website Agnostica was launched. And it was initially launched for the purpose of just telling people where and when this meeting is going to be held. But it became much, much more than that. 
it, it, you know, around that time too, there wasn't there wasn't much secular AA. This Beyond Belief group was the first group that was launched in Canada in 2009. So here we are at 2011, and it's been booted out. And um, you know, the there aren't very many. So I decided because I didn't know much about it, I decided that I was going to write an essay and post it on the website A Agnostica on the history of agnostic groups in AA. And I thought, well, I'll do that. It was a long weekend, so I thought, I'll do that over the weekend. Well, there was nothing out there. And it took me until October, took me three, four months to be able to find the information about agnostic groups in AA and the whole history of it. You know, the first group was launched in Chicago. The first secular A group was launched in Chicago in 1975. Well, who knew that? You know, and then there were other people who started secular A groups. The first group ever called We Agnostics uh, was launched in um, Los Angeles in, uh, in 1980. So it was like, okay, all this history. and. So I shared that, of course, on the website Agnostica. And while we initially had thought we'd just put the time and the day and all of that about these meeting groups, we started inviting people to write articles, which was really amazing because there was no, we're still not aware of that many websites that do that sort of thing. So to date, by the time this website will be closed in or, you know, we'll stop posting new articles in June, there will have been a total of 747 articles posted on AA Agnostica. You know, and it, it's a website that grew and grew and grew. It started out with, um, in the first full year, 2012, uh, there'd be about 6,000 people a month who would visit the website. 2013, that jumped to 17,000. 2014, it jumped to over 40,000. So, you know, and it was really an interesting period of time because there were all these new articles, all these people who were posting articles on the website from all over the world. It was really fascinating. It was wonderful. And the other thing that happened is that all of a sudden there was a secular AA and it was alive and it was doing different things. One of the things that uh, it was chosen to do, as I say, the website was launched in 2011. The first secular AA conference was held in 2014, and then in 2016. And then the one Mary attended in Toronto in 2018. And now there's another one coming up post-pandemic in 2022, of course, in, uh, around the area of Washington, D.C. So, you know, it was a really interesting period of time where there was this growth of secular AA, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden it became part of recovery and it became part of AA and uh, it became quite, uh, quite stimulating for a number of people. And one of the things that was, um, that AA was, AA Agnostica was early on, and I haven't talked about this much before, but it was a true comfort zone for people who were in recovery and just 
you know, were, were, were atheists, agnostics, or free thinkers, or just didn't believe in that anthropomorphic male supernatural deity. And they were so relieved that they weren't alone, that there were other people like this, that, you know, um, and that it, you know, that it worked. It, 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 you know, initially when I was going to AA meetings in the very beginning, and, and this is what disturbed me, I was repeatedly told that I wouldn't be able to stay sober unless I found a God. You ever heard that before? Um, mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> a couple times only. Or at least, I, at least I was told I needed to pray to stay sober for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> Uh, it's really bizarre because like today um, I go to a, a secular A group called We Agnostics, which I launched in 2016. And over the last couple of weeks, we've celebrated a guy with 40 years. His name is Alan. This coming Monday, we're celebrating a guy with 35 years. His name is John. Last week, we, we, we celebrated a guy with 10 years. His name is Eric. So, you know, there is an, an amazing kind of understanding these days, which I don't think there was at all when A. Agnostica was initially launched, that, yeah, secular works, secular recovery works, you know, and it, it, was, it was a very interesting period because when the website was initially launched, the first book that I published was called The Little Book. And why was it called The Little Book? Because of the big book. So I wanted to call it the little book. And what it contained was uh, what it still contains. And the second edition is recently published. What it contains is 20 secular versions of the 12 steps and four interpretations of each of the steps. And, you know, so now today, I don't think there are very many people who can gripe about alternative 12 steps or secular AA meetings. You know what's interesting about that little book? So here I am in AA for 25 years. Never occurred to me that I could rewrite the steps in some other way. <laughs> never, it never occurred to me. And, you know, I still meet people that way today who's like, you know, how do, you know, I'm an atheist. How do I understand this? And it's like, well, write them out in your own language. I, so that, that little book is great because it gives people a way to jumpstart their, their own thought process of, cause you've got these different options. How do I understand these things? Which, by the way, is what the big book asks you to do, is ask yourself your own understanding of these things, by the way. But, yeah, so that's pretty cool about that book. It serves a really good purpose there. It, it was, it was a, a huge pleasure to write it, and it, it belonged immediately after my history of agnostic groups in AA and the whole understanding of um, the fellowship of AA, including secular people. So it was a lot of fun and that's what the website has been about from day one was just you know it, it it's it's a comfort zone for secular folks and you know who are in recovery and um so that's it that has been its purpose uh, it, one of its purposes at any rate is to provide that comfort zone and so it's been a real pleasure to do it and you know it, it the amazing thing about it too is i've met so many people uh, as a result of, of the website. And it's been such a pleasure to know these people. And, you know, I, I'm now, of course, in the 11th year, the last year of the website. And I've, 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 I've chosen 50 articles that I'm posting in the last year. And uh, there are about nine left to go. 
And, you know, talking about meeting people that have been very special to me, of the 50 articles, five of them are about people that I knew who have passed away since the website was launched. You know, the, the, the first one was a guy by the name of Charlie Polachek, who, who died in 2012. And he's the one who started the We Agnostic group in Los Angeles. And then I had a friend, Wayne M., who passed away. And then, of course, Ernie Kurtz in 2015, who was, you know, who I discovered and learned the author of Not God, A History of Alcoholics Anonymous, as simply early on when I was trying to write this little history of agnostic groups. Hey, that's when I met Ernie Kurtz. And what a pleasure to have known him and to have been in contact with him a great number of times. Then I had another friend, Dennis Kilborn, who started groups in Vancouver, who passed away. And of course, this coming Sunday, there'll be an article about Life J. Oh, good. You oh, good. He, yeah. he wrote, um, he passed away in 2019, but he wrote 18 articles on AA and 14 on AA Beyond Belief, if you remember. Yes, I do remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's written a book. He wrote a book called About Being Here. And um, so what a great guy he was, too. These are all people I met because of Agnostica, the website. And so it's been a huge contribution to my own my own sobriety and my determination to continue to be a sober human being. And likewise, Roger, you're, you have been a huge contribution to my sobriety in Secular AA and to many people around the world from just writing the book, the little book, writing the history of AA agnostics in AA and AA agnostica. So likewise, and the, I have a couple of questions. How did you, first of all, how did you come up with the name AA agnostica? Well, that's an interesting question because initially the website was launched, as I said, to to be able to let people know when and where these meetings in Toronto were being held. Um, but after six months, it was initially called um, A Toronto Agnostics or something like that. But after six months, I decided to change the name of it to A Agnostica, and I just picked it out of nowhere. It's brilliant. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, it, it, it worked well for me. It explained very much what the whole website was going to be about. And there were many, 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 initially there were many complaints by people who would contact the general service office in New York and say, hey, that's got to get shut down. That can't be AA. You know, AA agnostic, are you kidding me? That's got to be shut down. But, you know, I've always had a good relationship with the general service office and they contacted me and they said, that's eh, great. You got a good website. Wow, that's good to hear. I'm glad that to know that. Yeah, I was, you know, initially there was some problems, but they went away immediately and very quickly. And, what kind um, of problems, Roger? Well, there were people trying to get me to shut down the <laughs> website. And, uh, <laughs> Who were so, they? Were they people from like the general service office or are they just, just nut jobs from around the world? Just people around the world who, you know, just thought that was, you know. (laughs) Just non-specific nut jobs. (laughs) So I I have a question because of the history of agnostics. Do we, does GSO still say that the version, if we have alternative secular steps on the wall of a group, that we still have to say this version is adapted from the original 12 steps, which were first published in 1939 in chapter five of Alcoholics Anonymous, because that was a sticking point. Originally, is that still hold true today? I don't know. 
I really don't know. As I mentioned, our group was initially booted out because we had a secular version of the 12 steps. And five years later, it took five years, almost six years, for the group to be readmitted. And that was because the GSO was going to boot the intergroup out. Wow. <laughs> for having booted us out. Oh, you know? okay. Gotcha. You know? That's what was so interesting about that is GSO was actually on the side of the Toronto groups. And what, Mary, you just read there, that was the eventual settlement, which was an odd settlement, I thought. But I, I don't know if they, if they still have to stick with it. But the settlement was that those groups in Toronto could continue reading those alternative steps as long as they they read, I guess, what you just you just right, read the there. one sentence mm-hmm. that these are the yeah. but that yeah, didn't inter- come from GSO. That was the settlement that Larry Kay came up with with the intergroup. I ignore that completely. I mean, we you know, as I say, I launched uh, We Agnostics groups in, in 2016, and what we have are four different versions of the of the steps, secular versions, and then we just hand it around to people to read at the beginning of the meeting. They pick one of the four, and they don't have to say anything other than you know. And people love the, you know, they love those steps. Um, so I know that technical part of the groups being allowed back in, but everybody ignores it as far as I'm aware. I'm going to put up a okay. link to your literature book. site. Yeah, because you've got a lot of books out there. I think, um, did you, you started publishing books. Like You must, I don't know what your background is. I think you, I don't think you were a professional writer, but you are a good writer. But what got you interested in, interested in publishing books? Was it just a lack of secular material at the time? Yeah, it was. It was exactly that. One of the things when I was, as I mentioned, I got sober in 2010. And um, while I was at, a rehab facility called Homewood here in here in Ontario. I would go into the library and look for books that might be helpful to me, and I couldn't find any. I didn't like any of the books. You know, like I'm I, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all of the big book. You know, um, in the first 164 pages, there were 281 references to God or. A, him with a capital H, et cetera. And um, that's not of help to me. Now, mind you, I have a master's degree in religious studies, but I'm an atheist or an agnostic, however you want to call it. And um, while I, you know, so I don't like the God bit. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Never has, never has. Uh, uh, you know, the supernatural, anthropomorphic, male deity give me a break i mean that's just and you know you know that there are many many more people who are moving in that direction these days um i have just i have just read an article called um it's an article called fewer than half of u.s adults belong to a religious congregation now they've done some polling and you know the Initially, around the time that the big book was written, 72% of people went to... Oh, wow. I didn't know that high. Crazy. 72%. And the religious membership in the U.S. has now fallen to 47%. So, you know, the fact that they're, you know, the fact that the big book was written with the God thing is pretty understandable given when it was written. But the fact that it still exists today and, you know... It's a conference-approved book, and there are no other conference-approved books without, you know, I mean, they if they want to publish a little book, I'll let them do it, you know. But we're moving. We're moving forward, in my view. So 
AA also has to move forward. And it's moving forward, I believe, but very slowly, you know, and, uh, and, and much more needs to be done. Can you, you know, uh, right before you go into that, Roger, Missy has a little question for you. And I was going to address this towards the end of the interview, but she wants to know, and I think a lot of people are concerned about this. Is AA Agnostica going to go away? What's going to happen to all those stories out there? Yeah, I see that. I see that. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to settle her down. So <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad to answer that. Um, the website is going to stop posting or I'm going to stop posting on the website, new articles, any new articles, any articles at all in June. That's, but the website will remain online, alive and accessible to anybody who wants to, who wants to read an article um, that read one of this, you know, 700 or so articles that have been published on the website. You know, and I find that very interesting because each and every day, each and every day, we get about a thousand people who come to the website and they go to, and I don't even understand how they do this, but they go to, they go and they read 200 different articles that have been posted on the website. I assume that they Google something that they want to read about. And that's how they end up going there. But because of that, because there are still, you know, a good chunk of people who visit the website daily, and because they visit and view so many different articles, a couple of hundred each and every day, I intend to keep that website alive. I think that's smart. I'm so grateful. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm really pleased to be able to do that. And, And because... People are still visiting it. Yeah. There's a need. There's a huge need for any secular websites. And yours is fabulous. And that's the link I hand to people that are new to secular AA here in the Bible Belt. When people come to our secular meetings, yours is one of the links that I give them. I can't remember, Roger, when it was when I first discovered AA Agnostica. I can't even really remember the timeline when I started thinking that I might be an atheist in AA, but it was over a period of time. But I do remember searching and eventually finding AA Agnostica. And it it came at a time when I was ready to make that change of starting, helping start a secular AA meeting in my city. And at that time, you had a um, service on AA Agnostica that would you like to start a meeting in your hometown? And I signed up for that. And that was so exciting when I got the emails that there were like two women, I think, in Kansas City who wanted to start a secular AA meeting. And what was so exciting about that to me was, wow, I'm not alone. There are people in my city who would like to do this. Now, it turns out that those those two never did connect with me, but someone else eventually did. And, and we got it going. So had, I wonder if you have heard similar stories over the years of people who learned about these types of meetings and started them as a result of fi- learning about it from a agnostica. Yeah. I, I certainly have heard that. And people, you know, there's something like, um, I had a friend, Chris, who kept this collection of all of these names of people who wanted to start a secular AA meeting and he would help them out. He would, you know, send, you know, if there were a number in Kansas city, he'd send them all, you know, the names and, uh, email addresses for all of these people. And, you know, about a hundred meetings were started as a result of that. And and that felt really, really good. You know, th- there was a lot of, there was so much that happened initially with the website. Uh, one of the things, for example, is um, we had tried to get 
the grapevine to publish a book with. Oh, I'm glad you're talking about that. I was wondering about that. Yes. That's a great story. Yeah. We had tried to get, we had tried to get the grapevine to publish an article or a book with, 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 you know, various stories that had been shared with them by people and they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. So that's when we decided to publish a book called do tell, which was stories by atheists and agnostics in AA. And, you know, it was really interesting because, holy smokes, we got a lot of offers from people who, who dared to write, you know, to, to, to be part of that book. So we eventually decided that there were going to be, you know, an even number of women and men. And there were 15 stories by women and 15 stories by men in the book. And as far as I can recall, John, one of them is, is your article. I came, I came later in detail. You came out with do tell after don't tell. And I was wondering about that too, the time frame. When did don't tell, was don't tell before or after that convention in Santa Monica? I think it was before. Okay. So see, you were, you were already beginning to build a little community of um, secular people online through A Agnostica. And then it really kind of, it really kind of exploded after that conference. Oh yeah. 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 Very much so. And what is your top, is your top article ever read? through AA Agnostica. Is that still Atheist Guide to the 12 Steps? Yeah, it is. That's the top article. But one of the things that's visited um, daily on the menu is um, the alternative 12 steps. Like I have, I've placed six versions of the 12 steps there, secular versions of the 12 steps. And that gets 40, 50 people every single day. Um, You know, so there are various parts of the website that are very popular and that's one of them and that makes sense to me so what are you gonna what is it gonna look like now when you're not going to be focusing on aa agnostica what is that gonna look like for you what am i gonna do yeah that's a damn good question (laughs) does it have a damn good answer yet (laughs) no i don't i don't um what I, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the summer because I play golf. So, you know, um, I was actually supposed to be playing golf today, by the way, but I thought, no, I have this, I have this uh, podcast to do. So, yeah, it's a bit of a question for me. But, I mean, you know, when you do something for a decade, to me, that's enough. And uh, you did this. That what gets me about it, too, Roger, is you, you started this when you were really newly sober. You, I mean, you, you and so this has been... I know that this is a large part of your recovery program. It's got to be. I mean, because when I was, this podcast is for me, you know, uh, this is a huge, huge part of my recovery. And I imagine you're going to have some sort of a transition, you know, not having this, but you've probably been already kind of been going through that because you've been kind of winding things down and you've got your home group, We Agnostics Hamilton. And, and, and that's really important to me, um, my home group. It meets every Monday and Thursday. And um, I mean, I've been going to these meetings for, well, a little over a decade, 12 years. And it's funny because I'll, I'll be going to a meeting thinking, holy smokes, do I need another meeting? You know, do I, you know, do I have to go to a meeting? But by the end of the meeting, I'm so happy I went. I'm so happy to have been there, to have heard these other people, you know, and listen to them share. And uh, I'm inspired by all of that. And I learned from that. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a very happy event on Mondays and Thursdays for me. I remember um, where my recovery was before I got involved with AA Beyond Belief and then the podcast Beyond Belief Sobriety. 
And then I remembered my experience after that. And I have grown so much more as a result of this work. And what I find interesting about you is you've been doing this from the beginning. I wonder if you can even recognize how much this has developed you in your recovery. Because you've learned, you've had the advantage of learning from people from all over the world ever since you've been sober. Yeah, and it's been it's been it's been unbelievably good for me. You know, like it's been really helpful to me, and and uh, you know, and and it goes on and on and on. I mean, the um, I have a friend in Poland now, Witek, who's translating the little book into Polish, and I think, well, that's great. You know, and um, so that sort of thing goes on, and um, it's been very inspiring for me. I, I I don't know I don't know what I would have done. That's what I've done for the last decade. And, and so, it's, it, you know, I, I liked it very much. Um, but, you know, there are other things we can all do, right? Did you write other books before the secular books in, about religious studies? No. It, it, you know, and the little book was the first book because, because we'd been booted out for having a secular 12 steps. So I thought, damn it, I'm going to publish a book with secular versions of the 12 steps. And, uh, but during, I thought maybe in academia, because you were the atheist in the religious studies. Uh, yeah. How, no. did, how did you get into religious studies as an atheist, as your focus? Well, you know, that's, that's a very good question. Um, what happened is um, I grew up as a Catholic, and my parents were Catholic, you know, and all of my neighbors were religious and Catholic. And, um, yeah, I went to church every Sunday and all of that sort of thing. And then when I hit the age of 19, I suddenly thought this doesn't make any sense to me at all. No sense to me at all. And, you know, it was, it was a, a, a stunning moment for me and a, and a, and a, a period of, of, of time where I just, I was 19 years old and I decided I'm, I'm, I'm getting out of here, you know, and I started hitchhiking around Canada and doing all kinds of different things and doing stuff like that. And, um, but it was like, you know, I, 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 I was curious as to why do people believe in a God? I mean, is there some logic to that that I should be aware of? And that's why I ended up with a, a Bachelor of Arts in Religious Studies. And I went to McGill University and, and had you know, got a master's degree in religious studies. And then I worked on a PhD for a number of years there. I was there for about a decade and I taught as well there. But, you know, there I was, um, I was um, a well-known atheist and people just, you know, they had total respect for me. And after all of that time, you know, I, I, I read the New Testament in Koine Greek. I, I tried everything. After all that time, I still couldn't understand at all why anybody would believe in a God, you know, it just didn't make any sense to me at all. There was no logic in it that I'm aware of at all. So, you know, it, 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 it had a, it had a, it had a huge impact on my life. And then of course, when I got to AA and there was all this God stuff, I thought, Jesus Christ, what's going on? Here? You know? It's funny. I've, I've talked to a few people that have gone on to study religion and either got a doctorate or a master's in religious studies. And then they, 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 
in studying it, they learned that they were an atheist. They learned that they could see what was behind the curtain, I guess, is how some of them would describe it. And and what's sort of humorous, I guess, is um, I took a class at a community college and I came to the same conclusion. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you're an atheist yeah well it was like after i mean it's really interesting to learn the history about how how it it all came together but you do realize when you study it even just a little community college class you realize wow this was really created by by human beings it was not it it really wasn't uh, supernatural so okay before i we start um uh, roger i'm running out of time i really do want to find out what you think about the state right now of secular recovery options you know do we have more of them than we had years ago and also alcoholics anonymous specifically how are how is aa doing and i guess that's a hard question because aa itself is 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 hard to define i would say to define it more narrowly the general service conference of alcoholics anonymous is it is it doing what it needs to do to keep aa up to date in your opinion and where do you see aa going in the future well, now that's a very good question. One of the problems with traditional AA or the general service office is um, conference-approved literature, because the only conference-approved literature is literature that they have published. Okay, let's be quite clear about that. And prior to the pandemic in 2019, they made $9 million selling conference-approved literature. So they have a reason for wanting conference-approved literature. So my view of the matter is, is that that has to change. They have to ditch that conference-approved approach to literature. They have to ditch that. Um, Just simply because I think that, you know, as I mentioned, you know, the number of Christian people has dropped enormously. And the other thing, too, is that if AA wants to be inclusive, it needs to drop that conference-approved literature, because whatever literature works for you is fine, should be fine. You know, my, my, um, my, my opinion these days, and it's just my opinion, by the way, is that um, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You know, I don't know a single other human being who believes exactly everything that I believe. I don't know one. But my opinion is that you can't push your beliefs. You should not push your beliefs on another human being. That's wrong. That is wrong. And, you know, that's the interesting part of our re-agnostics group here in Hamilton, because we do have religious people who attend that meeting. And neither we atheists and agnostics or we religious people try to push it up push our own beliefs on another human being. That's the problem with traditional AA meetings and with the general service office. If they're just going to have that kind of literature, you know, the big book with 280 references, 81 references to, to, a, to a God, that's wrong. It, it, it can be called conference published, maybe, but conference approved means that when you go to a traditional AA meeting, by and large, the only literature is conference-approved literature. And that, I think, is the major problem. Um, I I really do believe that. I I have, you know, I I really do believe they have to get, they have to throw that conference-approved notion out. Um, You also mentioned the profit motive, and Glenn Rader uh, believes this too. He says that AA World Services, the publishing arm, I guess, of AA, won't produce a 
new work, a new big book because it, because they're making so much money off of the current book. My argument would be that doesn't make sense because if you're running a business, you would want to br- come out with a new improved product that would sell even more. I would, I would think that if AA came out with a new improved big book <laughs> for the 21st century or whatever, it would sell even more. But I think it's more complicated than that. I think that there has been a culture that has grown up around the book that AA World Services and the General Service Office, although they might be sympathetic with those of us who might have a more secular approach, they're afraid in my opinion, of the larger membership out there who is so devoted almost dogmatically to that book. Not dog, almost a hundred percent. Very, very. <laughs> I was being nice, but you're right. Yeah, you were being nice. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Dog, yeah, if you're dogmatic, I mean, you're just dogmatic. That's all there is to it. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I agree. I, I, you know, I think that is the problem is, is, um, is that kind of dogmatism, and um, so I, I I don't know I don't know if 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 it um, if it can um, if it can 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 grow up or not I, re- I literally don't know my friend Joe C, the author of the book Beyond Belief, uh, he has said, and I keep quoting him all the time. My bold prediction is that if AA doesn't accommodate change and diversity, our 100th anniversary will be a fellowship of men and women with the same stature and relevance as the Mennonites, charming, harmless, and irrelevant. I do think there's one bright spot, one brilliant thing about the way that AA is structured, and that would be group autonomy. That, you know, even what we talked about with the um, conference approved literature, it's it's um, a mis- people are mistaken when they think that only conference approved literature can be re- read in, in an AA meeting. Groups are autonomous. They can read whatever they want to. And they do, as we know, our secular groups certainly do that. And I'm thinking that what could possibly happen with AA, because AA, you have to break it down in, into different parts. You have the general service conference and the general service office and the AA world services, which kind of is at the bottom of the triangle. And then you have all the different autonomous groups. I think those autonomous groups are going to live on forever. I think that they're just going to evolve and, and just, and just grow in different ways because they have the power to do their own thing. It would be different if the general service conference was dictating what these groups have to do, that they all have to follow the same path. So it'll be interesting to see. I think, I hope I live long enough to see how AA does evolve. I think what might become irrelevant, quite frankly, is the general service conference itself, because I think that groups will decide they really don't need that. They are free to do their own thing. And they're communicating now because we all know because of COVID, all geographic barriers are broken down. And that's how the general service conference is structured by geographic areas. All of that is just totally now unnecessary. So I think in my opinion, just my opinion, I think that the future of AA is going to be individual network, a loose network of groups um, that really aren't tied too closely with the general service office. And I, I think that that might bear better for them. I think yeah. There's so much more to read now. There's so many more books like Roger's books. I mean, there's so many more opportunities 
to to find out about how to do the program than just the big book. I mean, and God, you got to have more than 164 pages or you're going to lose your mind. You know, I know so many old time AA people with over 20 years that Secular AA has really expanded their recovery and inspired them all over again like they were inspired in the beginning. And they might not identify as an atheist or an agnostic, but they just find the secular approach to be so much bigger and more flexible and open and thought-provoking than just the traditional AA approach. But we have here in Savannah a lot of people that are traditional AA-type people and don't identify as atheists, but they go to secular meetings and do the secular format because it's more inspiring. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, our, 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 our meeting, you know, we, we have, as I mentioned, religious people and, you know, there are two of them in particular who are highly religious, who have been coming to the meeting for two years because it was one of the few meetings of in-person meetings that was open during the pandemic. And they just love the damn meeting. So they joined the group, you know, and it's just like, because of the sharing is so, so good. You know, it, 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 and it's not dogmatic. <laughs> right. It's not. And Very our, true. A lot more inclusive and diverse and flexible and yeah. to thine own self be true, which is supposedly what AA it was about, but it changed. For me, it got a lot more religious and a lot more dogmatic in the mid-2009-ish time. Yeah. Is when I noticed it. Yeah, very much so. And that's exactly when our, you know, like, as I say, it was in 2011 when our group was booted out. I don't see that anymore. I, I You know, even the, even the GSO, even though it hasn't done everything it needs to do, for example, if you go, you can find the GSO has a list of all of the AA groups in North America. And you can go there and now they have a category that they call secular, you know. So, you know, there there is some growth. But they, you know, it, 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 there's, there's more to be done. A lot more. Yes. Roger, did I, did we get into, um, I know that we touched a little bit about how you started the um, publishing books because they're of not having secular literature and you contacted the grapevine to have a book produced. Did we talk about what you were doing to eventually get published one big tent. Did we go into that? Cause you had, you were actually working on that with the grapevine, weren't you for before it was, can you talk about that? Yeah. Well, it was actually life. Jay uh, wrote an article where he listed all of the articles since about 1940 that were secular that had been published by the grapevine. Now there weren't very many. <laughs> yeah, there were, but there were some, there were enough for up a little book. There was enough for a small book. So they had about 40, 45 articles that they had published over 70 years that were secular. And um, Life J wanted them to, to publish those articles in a book. And so we asked them to, and they said no. <laughs> so then we asked them again the next year, and they said yes. And they ended up publishing One Big Tent. And um, I believe... One of the grapevine people was at the Toronto yes. conference. Yep. Yeah, the, the editor, yep. senior editor, Jonathan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that was really quite nice. And um, it isn't the best book, but it's it, it it's progress. It's, it's moving forward. That's what I thought, too. There were um, people who criticized the book um, when when we did a couple of book reviews on AA Beyond Belief, and some, there were some critics of the book. And yeah, like you say, it's, it's not perfect. And that pamphlet also, the God Word pamphlet, might not be perfect, but it's a beginning. It's Before a beginning. that, there was nothing. 
nothing, exactly. nothing exactly. to represent the agnostic or atheist. And now you've got something that can be updated and added to and evolve. You know, you got to start somewhere. And, you know, when One Big Tent was published, it created a lot of fury among a lot of traditional AA people. You know, they were really upset with that. Even now, the AA preamble, when it was changed from women and men to people, even that has, you know, that's a big debate right now in, in, in the GSO and traditional AA as well. It's a, you know, so that's, that's bizarre. A little uh, local flavor from the Kansas City area. When it, um, so during that time when, the, when One Big Tent was being considered for publication and going to be discussed at the General Service Conference, our delegate was the chair of the Grapevine Committee at the General Service Conference. And I was participating in the area assembly at the time. And I would talk to him about that, getting that book published and everything. And 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 he did. He worked for that and he pushed that through on that on that committee. And it was just a lot of fun to work with him and learn about what was going on behind the scenes on the on the committee level and to see all the acceptance of the people in the western area of Missouri for this book. I mean it was it we were it it was like a no-brainer. They loved the idea of the book. And speaking of the conference, so when that when that book was published and I brought it back to our group in Kansas City, I had everybody from that I could find in our group sign it. And then I delivered it to the chair of, of that committee. So because he it, it was nice that it, he was so helpful. And it was just inspiring to know that, you know, we were supported by the AA community at large. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who do support and want AA to be more inclusive. I think that those voices that we were talking about just happen to be the loudest voices. The dogmatic voices seem to be the most, you know, dogmatic. yeah, they are. They're so, they're so, because they're so certain about their way, I guess, right. just the way yeah. it is. So, yes. Anyway, we're coming down to um, finishing up the hour. Are there any um, parting thoughts, Roger, that you that you want to leave us with on, on about your experience with A Agnostica or what you would hope for um, us in the future as you move on? Certainly, one of one of the most pleasurable things in my entire life has been creating the website and you know spending a decade meeting incredible people as a result. I wouldn't even be talking to you two folks if I hadn't done this. Website. Roger, I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so you had a huge influence yep. on me for sure. Yep. Me too. Yeah. Mm. So, no, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you very I, much. I have, a, I have a quick question for you for just, if you could just give me a brief laser pointed summary of how you got to walk in the door of AA. So you've been sober 10, 12 years now. Yeah. And so had you heard of AA prior in your life and then one day you just thought it was for you? Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's an interesting question because I hadn't heard too much about AA prior to getting sober. And as I say, I was, um, I was, in, I was in a rehab facility and they sent me to these meetings. And um, so I learned about them. But as I say, after going to them for, from March through April, May, June, something like that. I was getting frustrated with the meetings, with, with all of the all of the godly stuff. So that's when it was really stunning for me to discover Beyond Belief and a secular A meeting. And I went to that from 2010 to 2016. You know, as I say, two hours to get there, two hours to get back. I'd go there every Thursday because it was an important meeting for me. And then I launched my own secular AA meeting here in Hamilton. And by the way, it is very, very well treated by the AA central office here in Hamilton. You know, very well respected. So, you know. 
things are a lot different now than they were back in in those in those days. Um, uh, in most places, there are still some places where you know the AA community isn't so welcoming. I, I will I will call out Denver, Colorado, for example. Oh, it's Georgia, for example. Good God, there are still these places that exist where where um, there are issues and for no reason. So um, uh, one last comment from Fred H. He loves hearing about the history of secular recovery's growth. Thank you, Roger, John, Mary. Great stream today. Yes, this was really great, Roger. Thank you so very much for doing this. And thank you for your friendship and all the help that you've given me over the years. That's been a real um, addition to my recovery. That's another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support our podcast with recurring monthly contributions, head on over to patreon.com slash beyondbeliefsobriety or become a member of our YouTube channel. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, then visit our website beyondbeliefsobriety.com and click on the donate button. I do appreciate your support. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of Beyond Belief Sobriety.